you've got a, a book called Driven, yes. which is about your life. Yeah. Yeah. I have a copy of it, so that, that that's what it looks like. <laughs> okay. It's and a kid on the cover. That's me when I was three years old. How old were you? Three. Three. Yes. Um, there's things that you've obviously written in there that I'm going to question you about. One of them is about the George Turner experience, uh, and then after that you went to California. The most interesting one that I want to know about is what happened because all I saw is a photo of Ron Tufel walking out of the lineup with his hand like this and, and you were pulling a face and I go, wow, that must have been <laughs> something. Uh, where nobody really knows what it's about. You've got something in your book written about it. Um, then that same day, you were in a Mr. Universe pose down and the guy that got third ended up winning the pose down and I wanted to ask how you personally felt about that because if it was me, I would have been like totally confused and lost. Right. Um, and your latest contest win, the AAU Missed the Universe for men over 60. Right. Yeah. 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 So let, let's start with this one, Tony. Okay. Uh, modern bodybuilding, what you think of it, and how do we bring back what we have, if it's even at all possible, to your way of thinking? Yes. Um you know, the guys weigh like 280 pounds, 300 pounds. And back in my day, I think when I won those shows that I won, I weighed less than 200, maybe 205 max. So aesthetically, it was, it was all about symmetry and proportions and not size. Everything's about size today. So I, I still look back to the old days and wish we had those days back. You know, the Frank Zane and the Samir Benoud and Steve Reese's classic physique. Because that's what drew the people in. That's what got me involved. Because first time I saw bodybuilder on stage, to me, it was like a piece of art. Yeah. You know, that spotlight and you hit these poses and transition from shot to shot. And that's what got me involved. That that, that drew me in. Because your body is a sculpt. You're sculpting your own body. Yeah. So it's changed quite a bit. And size is everything now. Because I look online, I pick up a magazine, and they say, so this guy put on 30 pounds this year. So it's all about size and being big and but not really detail with the cuts and separation. You know, I look at the bodies, yes, they're big and yes, they're cut, but they're not ripped. We call it ripped back in the day, you know, because yeah. 3% body fat. So it just changed a lot, but everything changes in time. So can we go back to that? No, it's almost impossible. The class of physique guys is close as we're going to get. You know, they have to do a mandatory posing routine and five compulsory poses. So that's, that's as close as we're going to get. But it's, it's getting very – more competitors are coming into that category now. What, why do you feel that we can't go back to what we had? I don't know. I mean, I mean Arnold just spoke out about that. Yeah. The guys have gotten too big and the guys are passing away and, you know, all the things they're using. And, but it's almost too late. It's too late. They've gone too far. I think 10 years ago, they should have said, that's enough. This is the cutoff. This is the limit. You know, and we want that small waist again. That was, that was the catch. We haven't had the smallest waist on stage. You know, Brian Buchanan, you know, I think he still has the smallest. Okay, I may be second in line. So. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that was it. The small waist, broad shoulders, the taper and the lines and proportion and presentation and, you know, chemistry on stage. All that stuff worked into winning the contest. So it's not about hitting a couple of poses and waiting for the crowd to cheer you on. 
you had to create a routine. And that was the fun of watching bodybuilding on, and especially in America on ABC and NBC nationally, was to watch the routines. It was entertainment. You were a performer. So, you know, you know how dry and exhausted you are, but you're still smiling, you're going through the routine, the crowd's going crazy, and you're all fired up. So that's entertainment. You go to watch a show. And now there's no show. It's just uh, big guys. And when they flex, nothing really happens. For me, nothing happens. I was a little guy. And they said I always looked like 10 or 15 pounds heavier on stage than backstage. They would run backstage and go, wait a minute. Was that, was that you out there? <laughs> yeah, it was me. Because of the small joints, you know, small wrists, uh, the waistline, the hips, small hips, and how you present the poses. You have to be a master at hiding your flaws. and only bringing out the strong points. Tony, can you run through your contest history? I'm not sure what your first contest was. And when you won that Mr. America contest, was it 1978? 1978. Well, leading up to the Mr. America contest, the first contest I won, I have to tell this, Mr. Venice Beach, and I was so excited. Okay, that was the <laughs> was first proud. one you entered and, and won. Yes, and uh, yes, because back in St. Louis, I did a couple of shows like the Mr. Missouri, Mr. St. Louis. I think it plays six and, and the third. It's all in the book. And then when I got to California and I competed in the Mr. Venice Beach, it was a big deal in those days because a lot of the guys from the beach went on to become world champions. Yeah. Uh, Charles Glass and John Brown and a lot of these guys. So you're up against tough, tough com- competitors even at, at that stage. So I won that and... And I said to my friend, I'm going to be Mr. America in two years. And he started laughing. Sure, you will. <laughs> you know, I'm 19 years old. And, um, but it happened. I did pull it off in two years. So um, I don't know. It just, um, that was the beginning. That, that got me. And then when Arnold came over and was watching me train on Muscle Beach, it was 100 degrees outside. Yeah. And I'm squatting 400 pounds and set after set after set. He wrote that in his book. And um, he said, you know, you're going to be a great champion. And he took me through the workout. He sent me to see Joe Weider for the first time. I mean, I had heard of Joe Weider, but I never met the guy. So he sent me to Woodland House to his office. And, yeah, that's how it all began. That, you know, I was hooked. So, Tony, back then, living on, you were probably living on Venice Beach or somewhere in the vicinity. Uh, what went on in the background? What was your life all about? How were you earning money at that time? How I wasn't even sure how people lived in, in that era. Nobody seemed to be working. Everybody seemed to be on the beach training and being photographed for magazines. What actually went on in the background? That's true. I was, I was really struggling. I was homeless for, there for a while. And then um, I um, met some friends and ended up moving in through their house. I wrote about that part too. So, you know, people would help you back in, in those days. Yeah. You see some kid, he's struggling and he's doing well and he's trying to be something. And people step in and say, hey, I can help you out, you know, unlike today. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was helped by a lot of people. I was very supportive with a lot of people. And for work, I became a security uh, guard. You know, I went to Ghost Gym and all these guys says, hey, you need a job? I go, yeah. So, a suit and tie, work in concerts in L.A., like the Stevie Wonder Show, uh, Kiss, uh, Rod Stewart, all these guys. And that's my job. You work eight hours a night and you train as much as you can throughout the day. But still struggling because, you know, just barely. I had a one little bedroom apartment 
right on the beach. And Gold's gym is like six blocks down Pacific Avenue. So I would walk to the gym. I took the bus everywhere or I walked. Didn't have a car. I mean, just struggling. I mean, yeah. you know, you go, I, I said, I'm, I'm moving to California and I don't care what's going to happen. I'm just going to go. <laughs> when you're 19, you can do that. You have no fear. Then I got there and I realized, oh, this is dangerous. This is scary. <laughs> I could die here. My family don't even know where I'm at. You know, in LA, they can't find you. And I didn't know anyone there. So it was just, it was just something that came over me. You've got to get to California and you got to go now. Mm. And that's what was in my heart. And that was in my spirit. And I just jumped on a one-way bus, one-way ticket. And I, and I told us, I'm not coming back. This is it. I'm gone. That's, that's and incredible. Thank you for sharing that because... I often wonder how people made it through periods of time because all, all we saw was you in a magazine. You looked incredible. You had this conditioning, which was just incredible at that 1978 Mr. America. I, I don't know what you looked like at your other shows because that was prominent. That was the first time I saw you. And um, I, I remember watching that and, um, you know, how, how impressed I was because I, th I think my first contest was in 1976 and I remember how difficult it was dieting and getting in condition. And then you came along, and I'm going, oh, well, this, look at this. Look at the suffering this guy must have done to, to, to look like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, part of, part of the conditioning was starvation because I couldn't, I couldn't afford to eat. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I can't. I look back, oh, I was 19. I must have had incredible genetics because I was not eating. Maybe one meal or two meals a day max, training like a beast. And, and still grew and still held on to my muscle size. It was just, it was, it was strange. I mean, think about that. Two meals a day. Uh, yeah, a couple of meals a day. That was tuna fish, coffee, and water, and maybe some Gatorade. I mean, that's what I was living on. I mean, I got, they threw me out of the gym once because this tuna was you know, stinging up the place. You need to go outside with that tuna fish. <laughs> you can't have that in here. But yeah, I remember lying in bed a month before that show, and I could feel my stomach touching my backbone. I mean, really, starvation. But it helped me on stage. <laughs> what, was, what was your second meal of the day? One of them was tuna and coffee. I heard about that. Yeah, my friend, would he would make chicken. This guy named Kent King. You know who Kent King is? Yes. He was the man yeah. of Ghost Gym. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful man. He passed away. Yeah. Very good friend of mine. He would, go, he would, he would call me up. He get over here. We got some chicken and salad. So that's what he was feeding me. And then I had a couple of training partners training for that show. One of the, their, their girlfriends worked at a restaurant up in Santa Monica. So we would train every day and we'd go there and have a meal. That's how, that's how I was eating. That's <laughs> it just yeah. grab a meal whenever you can get it. That's not something that I would see happening today from the sounds of it. Back, that, that's, that actually sounded like a golden time to live in. It was, must have been a really good time. And, you know, I, I often look back and say, you know what? I, I wish I was there. Um, you know, I was watching it all from Australia and, you know, getting all the American bodybuilding magazines and seeing all of this. And But what I also noticed about you, Tony, we, we were on um, a Grand Prix tour around Europe. Mm -hmm. And what mm -hmm. I noticed every time we sat down to eat, I'd watch what everybody was doing. And you always used to leave something on the plate. And I said, this, this guy has a small waist for a reason. Look at that. You finish everything and you walk away bloated. This guy's leaving half of what he just had uh, on the plate and he's got, a, he's got a waistline that 
you know, represents the way he's eating. So I noticed right. that, and you've probably never really been a big eater, have you? No, uh, you're right. I'm, I'm, thank God, because if you want to eat, you got a problem. I just eat to survive, and I eat small meals, always small meals. I know this guy's eating two or three chicken breasts at a time. I have half the chicken breast. Yeah. I'm okay. And I guess that part of it has to do with me growing up, too. I, I grew up starvation. You read that in my book. I starved to death for 12 years, so... That was part of it. So transition to body one's perfect. You're starving most of the time. <laughs> you get that lean cut. But my waist is small, stomach small, and I'm not really into food that much. I eat to have enough muscle to go on stage, you know, but not to just eat to enjoy. No. So you've never binged on food? You've never pigged out or gone overboard on anything and made yourself sick from overeating? Never. No. And this excuse of bulking up is just an excuse to eat. You should, there's no bulking up season because, you know, in, in the 70s and the 80s, once I had won a couple of titles, and to get some work, you had to be in shape, seminars, exhibitions. Mm -hmm. And when you show up for these shows anywhere in the world, they expect to see you as you were in the magazine, not 20 pounds heavier. So I, that, I made a pride, it took pride into showing up always in shape. Yeah. Promoters would call me from around the world and said, I will be there. Okay. That's interesting. And what was your weight? What did I, you know? When I won Mr. America, I think I weighed about 185. I'm 5'8", height-wise. But when you really cut and the light's right, and I have to say that the light was really superb that night because it really shows the sharpness, just enough light. You know what I mean? So that helped me a lot, too. The light helped. And another situation that happened on stage was they closed, we had 30 seconds, you know, had one minute posing routine, yeah. and I stayed a minute and 45 seconds. Right. So they, they closed the curtains on me, okay. and the guy said, thank you, Tony. So when the curtains reopened, I was still posing. <laughs> he never stopped posing. Because I said, I come this far, this is my one chance. This is it. It's all or nothing. I'm going to continue. I'm going to finish my routine. That's all I said. I'm going to finish my routine. And the crowd went ballistic behind that. They really went crazy. It was like 5,000 people screaming their heads off. So that was the Mr. America contest that you won. Yes. But, you know, before that, I had won two shows that year that no one talks about. I won the Junior Mr. USA and then yeah. Junior Mr. America. Yeah. In those days, that's a big deal because yeah. you're the national titles and the competition was really tough in those days. Yeah. I mean, to win those shows. So I had won two shows going in. But, you know, Ron Tufa had, he had won Mr. California, which he beat me. Mm -hmm. He had won two weeks before Mr. USA. Right. Did he so Mr. Mr. California. Hmm? Did he beat you at the Mr. USA as well? Or? I didn't compete. You didn't compete. I was not there. Yes. But he got you at the, he placed ahead of you in the Mr. California. Yes. Okay. Yes. In fact, he kind of kicked my butt. But that inspired me. That motivated me a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I didn't think about the contest. I was just focusing on my diet, my training, and just show up and my posing. I was a lot of time working with my posing because I was not a great poser at the time. And I was nervous on stage. I'm very shy, introverted type of guy. But then I, I learned how to pose and then I, I love the stage. <laughs> it, it, it flipped on me, yeah. So Tony, I wanted to wait until I asked this, but now that we're on the subject, when you were called out for first place or Ron Tufel was called out for second place, what 
what was that hand gesture of his? He, he walked out of the auditorium. I'm not sure what happened. You were pulling a face as if to say, shame on you almost. I'm not sure what all that was about. Could you please give us a little bit of clarity on that? Because I've, I've, that photo has been stuck in my head for years and I've never, ever known what's behind it. Okay. Um, so you had to win your class. Thank God I had never had to weigh in and in competitions. Thank God. Because you lose muscle size just to make weight. Yeah. So I was, it was by height class. I was medium height class. I won my class. Manuel Perry, you know who Manuel Perry is? Yeah. Yeah. He's incredible for the double for the Hawk, incredible Hawk. And uh, then run two for one in the short class. So we were all standing there, posing all day. I'm exhausted. I mean, really wanted to collapse. And then the announcer says, he calls my name. So I'm thinking, oh, I got third. Yeah. <laughs> Not being aware of what's going on. So yeah. I'm third place. And then Tufo, he slapped himself in the face and his head. And he's storming around the stage going, rip off. Screaming at the top of his lung, this is a rip off. And I'm like, my mouth dropped. That's when I realized I won. <laughs> I, I won. And Manuel Perry was standing and he's looking at me like he's a very tall guy. He's looking down at me like this. <laughs> the amount of drama on that stage, you, Hollywood couldn't put that together. And he had the trophy girls standing on each side of us. It was just, and the crowd was going insane, yeah. booing and cheering. It's just drama. There's one picture in the book that shows that whole scene. Exactly. And Tufo lost it. He really lost it. Yeah. And then at the very end, I try to shake his hand. He slaps my hand. He starts screaming again. He ran off the stage. So, yeah. so what did he do? So, just walk out of the auditorium and, and left? He, he just ran backstage and never came back out and, and just disappeared. Yeah. He was never the same after that show. No. That show, you know, took a lot. But I, 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 my instinctively, I said, I have one chance here. That's why I continue to pose. And then the pose down with him, it was just toe-to-toe, pose after pose, yeah. maybe five or ten minutes. Because pose and count on the, on the score sheet back in those days. Yeah. If you didn't, especially in the pose down, I was told, do not stop posing in the pose down. Mm. Competitor might stop, you continue to pose. Yeah. That's how you that round. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I did. Most muscular shot, back, spread, you name the back and whatever it is. Toe-to-toe, yeah. -to -toe, he flexes his legs and his abs and it was a real showdown. Did you, um, I'm sure you had a posing routine worked out, but for yes. the pose down, I, I always used to have a, a separate routine. It was just my thing. I'm just wondering with you, if you had some preset routine. Absolutely, yes. And they, I, was, I was told, do not follow his poses. Do not try to match his shots. Yeah. Do your own shots and him follow you. Yeah. And I want you to stand, I want you to stand a half foot ahead of him. Yeah. So you look big in the picture. So I had most muscular pose, front, you know, uh, lat spread, back, you know. I was doing a lot of spinning, the crush, back poses. I had, I had a routine, yes. I knew exactly what I was doing. Don't change the routine. Just continue to do it over and over and over. Okay. Um, look, you had a trainer by the name of George Turner. I think he, um, correct me if I'm wrong, was he the person that tutored you and got you started or did he come along yes. later? You know, I was on the wrestling team, and um, I hurt, injured my knee and had surgery, and so that kind of put me into that career. And my wrestling coach saw me working out one day, 
at, in the weight room at high school, and he said, hey, you've gained a lot of muscle size. You know, you want to go to a real bodybuilding gym? He worked out. And I didn't realize he was friends with George Turner. I just found it out recently. They were good friends. And I said, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, what, 16 years old? So I go to George Turner's gym. He had the biggest, he had six gyms in town. And he was, he was king. You know, he was a great trainer. He had five world champions come out of this place. So I go to the gym and I was training. It was brand new. It had just opened. And I was in heaven, you know, like a kid. I did all the exercise. You name it, I did it. And George, ex-Marine, sitting in his office, he's watching everybody on the floor. And he came out, gets in my face, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) It's like, get in my office. (laughs) So 16 years old, here I am shaking like a leaf. (laughs) And he goes, I'm going to train you. Be here tomorrow at 6 p.m. Don't be late. So that's how, that's how George came into my life. And uh, he said, I'm going to start with the bird legs you have. <laughs> Build the legs. And I had to do squats Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 10 sets of 10, up to 350 pounds. So at that age, I was squatting 350. And don't miss a rep. I mean, he's counting reps for you. If you ever told George, I can't do it, you know, I'm too sore, I'm tired. He would throw you out of the gym in two seconds. Okay. He threw so many people out of the gym. If you drop the weight, if you bang the weight, if you're screaming, making noise, if you're playing music, you're out. Okay. This is ex-Marine, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I... I, so I kept my mouth shut the entire time for nine months, and that was, that was the routine. Basically, he focused on my legs, which is which I, I'm grateful for. I mean, without George, I would never be a champ. I would never get into bodybuilding. I loved it. But how do you get involved in it? I mean, who's going to guide you, you know? So what was your routine? Um, so you're doing 10 sets of 10 chin-ups, 10 sets of 10 squats, three days a week. Was it? Yeah. Well, was Monday, Wednesday, and Friday was, was a squatting session, period, just squats. Just squats. Uh, yes, because you're dead after 10 sets. I mean, I mean, by Friday, I couldn't get out of the car. I was so sore, I couldn't get out of the car. Yeah. But you don't tell George that. <laughs> he starts squatting. Yeah. And Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, he had me doing 10 sets of 10 of pull-ups. And that's how my back got wide. Not thick, but wide. Wow. So he was building a foundation. I look back and go, he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. He, I, I think he saw something in me that I didn't see. I, I didn't see throughout my career, I, I didn't see it. He said, oh, man, you look great. I, said, I don't think so. So yeah. George saw, saw, he saw the symmetry in the bound in the yeah. small waistline, and you know, on the small yeah. bone structure. And, and, and my desire, I was really loving it. I mean, you got to, in bodybuilding, you have to love it. You can't just do it for the paycheck or fame. It's something you have to really appreciate. I train for myself. You know, I go to gym every day training for myself. If it, I made a career out of it. Okay. Tony, what was the rest of the routine? Surely you weren't just squatting uh, and surely you weren't just doing chin-ups. Was there anything else that you do? Hamstrings, a little bit calves? of deadlifting. You never work my chest. We never did arms. Really? I was sneak on the side. I would sneak and do some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in high school, I would go to the gym there and work my arms as chest, bench yeah. press and all that. But no, George had two things in mind. I would give the kids some legs. You're going to have the biggest back. Because having a great back in those days was a major deal. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have back development, you can just go home. Because when you turn around, you're going to get beat. 
So everybody had a great look at Robbie Robinson's back. All from the 70s, all these guys. Zane, Arnold, the back, Franco, the back. That's the winning key. So he was determined to make sure I had a back and legs. And when I got to LA, you know, Arnold took me through a workout on Muscle Beach that day. And I look back, I go, why did he train my chest and triceps? And I go, oh, <laughs> it was weak. That's what he saw from a distance. He said to me, I've been watching you for months, yeah. which I know. Yeah. You know, he hung out on the beach all the time, him and Franco. Yeah. Yeah. And he has been watching you. Yeah. I didn't know that. And um, so we did chest and back, chest and triceps. Yeah. Very weak, very weak chest and no triceps. Yeah. I had a good, biceps were good. Yeah. Uh, shoulders okay. Um, but that's what I needed. And, and the George was strange. He had his own idea yeah. of training. And um, people complain, either you love him or you hate him. For me, it was a love-hate. I, I heard a lot about him, and, and there was a period of time, Tony, that I lost touch with what was going on in the bodybuilding world. I don't know what you did in that period of time. I saw a couple of photos of George Turner in Iron Man, and he, was, he had age on his side. I don't know mm-hmm. when he passed away. I never heard anything like what there was a period of time where I'm not sure if you stepped out or you stopped competing or I just missed what was mm-hmm. going on. I, I think from the late nineties to mm-hmm. through maybe to 2010 or whatever, I, I, I didn't see you. I, I don't know what happened. Maybe it was just me. I was not paying attention. Um, and when, when did George Turner pass away? Um, Oh, 2000, he was 83 when he passed, 2012 maybe? Right. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. 2012, I think. And he was 83. Gyms, what, what happened to his gyms? Oh, another thing about George Turner, he didn't pay bills. <laughs> so the IRS came in, took all of his gyms. Yes. So he died with no money, poor, in, in this uh, place, assisted living home that he was in that's, that's really sad did he have a family wife kids or anything wife divorced him because george was george was out there <laughs> he had kids in fact we just contacted one of his sons mm-hmm. and um you know i have a documentary coming out yeah the tony pearson story and we went to george great site right and i said and i talked to george and we filmed it, so that's going to be a part of that. So All right. he did a lot. For, he did a lot for so many people. Yeah. When is that really, documentary coming out? Um, we're guessing uh, October. Yeah. October. Yeah. It's been gone on for two years now, so who's the I think we're very close. Who's the person that's been shooting it? Who's the person? Yeah. Uh, uh, Tequila Markenberg Production Company from LA. Oh. You're from LA, yeah. So did they approach you or how did it come about? Life is strange because I have a client in yeah. here in Vegas. Yeah. Oh, have you heard of Eric the Trainer? Erica Trainer. Eric, Eric, Eric the Trainer. He's okay. a trainer to the stars. He's very popular in America. He's trained all the movie stars, you name, he trains them. Okay. And then he said, I want you to train me. You're the only guy that's going to train me. Okay. He'll come all the way to Vegas to train with me do a few sessions. One day he brought a friend with him and um, Steve and 
they introduced me and they said, well, I know this girl who owns a production company mm. and you should talk to her. Yeah. So she read my book yeah. Yeah. and she said, I read it twice. We're going to do this. Yeah. Um, did you know that she's Joe Weider's daughter? Really? Wow. Yes. Yes. So what are the chances? I mean, maybe this guy that knows her, she reads the book. Now the daughter's doing a documentary about my life. So, yeah. Okay. That's how it all came about. And uh, it's based on the book mm -hmm. about what happened so as a you, child. You wrote that book or did you have help? Did you just write it all by yourself? How, how did it You know, out? if you had told me eight years ago, you're going to write a book, I would laugh. Really? <laughs> I have no idea how to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just being honest. But then um, it just hit me one day. My friend said, you should write that. You should write a book. And I just started writing. I had a ghostwriter from England to help me out in the beginning. But I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, the deep south, African-American. But I sounded British when she wrote it. <laughs> There's a lot of British words there. And I go, yeah. I can't do this. This is not going to work. They're going to laugh at me. Yeah. Yeah. So I fired her. I said, here's your paycheck. I'm going to do it myself. And I wrote it myself. Okay. I just said, I got to write the book. Got to finish it. How do we get the book? Uh, it's on, on Amazon. Okay. Just, you know, just type in Tony Pearson, yep. Driven, yep. and it come up. So it's uh, it's been 2019 it came out. It's really about my childhood growing up. So it's not about bodybuilding. Of course, it's included a lot of bodybuilding. Yeah. Yep. But it's how I grew up in the South and civil rights and... Yep. What I went through, I was tortured, and yeah. it's a survival story. Yeah. And hopefully a bunch of kids will read this, or adults, who's dealing with the same type of issues that they stash away and don't want to talk about, don't want to face. You know, I made a, a promise to myself when I got to California, I would never expose my childhood or how I grew up. That was it because now you, I read the magazines and they build me up like this major star and I go, I have no idea where I'm from. So it took a lot of courage to actually tell the world, this is what happened. Right. But the message is you can survive. You know, you don't have to, people make excuses for being bad as, as adults. Well, I had a tough childhood. A lot of people have a tough childhood. But they don't rob, go to jail, do drugs, and all these things. You don't have to. You make you have a choice. Yeah. So I chose bodybuilding, which saved my life. That was my that was my go go to place. That was my happy place, and I made a career out of it. Not trying to, it just happened. But so that's the story, and I think she was inspired by the story, not about bodybuilding, because the average person don't want to hear about how many contests you won and what, what diet you're on. Yeah. They want to hear a story they can relate to. Yeah. And I had so many people write back to me and go, man, that chapter, that was me growing up. Or this happened to me, the exact same thing. I had a friend visiting me. She, she read through the book, about four or five pages, certain chapters, and she threw the book across the room. She goes, I don't want to go there because it brought back her own yeah. stuff. Yeah. So it's hard to expose. You know how we lock that stuff away with the key and throw the key away? But it's okay. And, and I feel so much better now that I, I felt like I was living a lie all those years. You know, I competed for 20 years, had a 20-year career, and a lot of publicism coverage, and 
but that was not the real me. So. Interesting. So, Tony, um, throughout your career, you, you had, you know, what you learned with George Turner, then you had Arnold tutoring you, which would have been really great. Um, I, I want to talk about what you've learned as far as, you know, everybody says you've got to go heavy, um, your load, what, what you feel, rep range, tempo, uh, which I believe you did things a little bit differently. And, and from what I've heard, you know, it probably very smart the way you handled everything. Could you give us a little bit of insight into the training, please? And what, as you, as you became more experienced, mm-hmm. what, what was the ideal way? You know, um, you've got people like Dorian Yates where the only way he felt he could improve was just to increase the load. Right. right. I've, heard you, I've heard you talk and you're, you, you know, you talk about some things which I really agree with, you know, feeling it, the, the, the way you do your curls, the, the, the peak contraction at the top. Uh, yes. Just how how you train now. You were, I, I heard you talk about putting... Uh, 135 pounds on a bar and doing reps with it and blowing your legs up. Please explain all of that because it seems like, you know, there's no need for the heavy weights and and hurting yourself the way some people have done. True. That is true. When I first got to Gold's Gym in Santa Monica, you know, they packed up and moved from Venice to Santa Monica for four years. And I would watch all the pros. I didn't have any titles, but I was watching the pros and the the guy who stood out most was Robbie Robinson. Mm. He was top of the game at the time. Him and Frank Zane battling out every year. And I was there. I was witnessing all of this. Yeah. Joe Weed come take their pictures and all this crazy. Yeah. And I watched him train. I go, wait a minute. Why is he training heavy one day, then light one day, and yeah. then moderate one day? Yeah. And then I had the opportunity a couple of years later to train with him. And then I realized, he goes, you train heavy, moderate, and light. You can't train heavy all the time. You're going to burn out or injure yourself, one or two. And you don't get that sharp, crisp look from doing heavy all the time. So I, my whole career, in the beginning, I did train fairly heavy because he would throw the heavy stuff in there, which was fun. I enjoyed doing it. It's nice challenging that I could move 145-pound dumbbells around uh, or or squatting the three, 400 pounds. But then as my career went on, I realized you don't need heavy. Because you kind of build a foundation in the beginning. Once you build the foundation, I think moderate weight is much better with more reps, the volume of reps. Do you think you need to go heavy to build a foundation or is it just that's what we were thrown into in the beginning or? um, You need need to go heavy sometimes in the beginning to build that foundation. Sometimes, not all the time. You know, you can't train the whole year heavy, heavy, heavy. And that's what Robbie did. We would mix it up. But this guy would take a lightweight and his arm just grow in front of you. That's about form and technique. So mentally, you're totally connected. Tell all my clients, if you're not feeling the muscle, it's not working. We're not throwing weights. We're using weights. So your muscle have to, the positive and the negative, I want you to feel both phases of this. Don't curl it and then drop it. Oh, drop onto the squat. Use your legs to sit down into the squat. Yeah. Don't lock out at the top. Continuous tension. Whatever happened to the phrase "continuous tension on the muscle"? We no. lost that. We was taught that. That's when the muscles are under stress, 
And you, if you're controlling it, it's under pressure for a long period of time. That's when you get more results. People, I see people do the set eight, nine, 10, and it, the last three, they speed up the rest so they can drop the weight. They don't want to feel the pain. In bodybuilding, if you can't handle the pain, go, you got to place, pay, you know, go to a different sport. So that's part of the idea. Um, in the last 15 years of 20 years, I've been using moderate weights, more reps, yeah. really focusing on controlled technique and form. Everything I do is precision. They call me the doctor because like precision. And, uh, and you got to feel the pump. If you're not feeling the pump, it's not working. With, with your training, I would imagine, actually, what I did want to ask you is how many days a week do you, you know, each body part, does it get hit once a week, twice a week? Okay, you know, I won that show when I was 63, the, the universe thing, yeah. and I was training twice a day, just like old school. Yeah. But then at 63, I realized my body couldn't take that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That was my last show. I said, it's time to walk the dehydration and the wear and tear, the age factor. Yeah. And my mother's telling me, please stop. So, <laughs> yeah, so you've gone too far. You need to, it's, you have nothing to prove, just stop. But I, I, I entered that show because I was here in Vegas, it's hometown, why not do it? Yeah. But, I, but since then, I've been training once a day, uh, maybe five days a week. Like I said, I enjoy training. It's part of my life. So, so each body part get, gets hit how many times? In, in the I'm doing each body part once a week now. Once a week. Only once. Can just enough to maintain what I have, the size that I have, just trying to maintain it. Can you give us a typical uh, leg workout that you do? Uh, I do regular squats, like I said, the 45s on the bar. You won't go, any heavier, do, you, you won't go any heavier than the 45s? No. Don't need it. So, like I said, I built the foundation years ago. So I still have my legs, thank God. But uh, yeah, but the volume of reps, yeah, and not locking out. Yeah, I'm watching all these uh, videos on IG and uh, uh, YouTube channels, and everyone's locking out, locking out. I go, if you don't lock out, my clients know you're going to do 15 reps, and you're not going to lock out that, with that light weight. But it gets very heavy when you don't lock out. And if you're controlling it, you're not just dropping and dropping and dropping. You're really using your legs to, to do the sets and doing the reps. So that's what I've been doing. I mean, leg is, I do uh, leg extensions, leg curls, squats, and the sumo squats. But, but I do maybe four sets of each. It's eight sets of squats, really. And maybe sometimes some side lunges or forward lunges. Right. Okay. And that's my routine. A few sets of leg curls, I'm done. I'm just trying to hold on to the little size that I have. And now, back in the day, I was squatting heavy. You know that, yes. Yeah. And calves? Uh, twice a week. Yeah. Seated what, calf raises. What do you do? Because I, I have a weakness there. I've always had a weakness there, and it, it hasn't been Likewise. easy. <laughs> and, and I know for you, they lag behind a little bit. So, you yep. know, it's one thing asking Tom Platts how he built his calves and probably didn't right. need you know, then talking to you, like you actually, you know, had to do the work where maybe Tom Platts didn't even train him. So why ask him how he built his legs? <laughs> Trust me, Tom never trained his calves. Well, there you are. I, 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 I come in the gym every day. Oh, he was squatting like a beast. Never. He didn't have to. Right. And Chris Dickinson was seen. You know, he said, I do calves maybe twice a month. And I went, yeah. what? <laughs> so what, what do you do for calves? 
see the calves, or on the leg press, feet straight, toes out, toes in, maybe four or five sets. One exercise twice a week. Yes, for the calves, yes. Are you sure you have finished competing and you're not going to get up on stage again? Because I, I, I just, I know you're going to, I, I just feel you're going to do it again. I don't think so. And Biden said, no, I listened. I quit yeah. twice before that last show. I said, I can't do this. What do you the mean? Age, quit? You, you I just was not getting in shape. The body, that wasn't coming off and I was okay. training twice a day. And I, I was, I was cramping getting cramps all over the, I can't do this. But then I said out loud to myself, you have never quit, so you're not going to quit now. And I'm back on, back on the program. <laughs> Thank God I, got, I went through it. I, I, I pushed through. But you can't quit. See, I don't have, I didn't have trainers. I don't have a nutritionist. I don't have a team backing me up. My whole career, none of this. I did it on my own. No one needs to tell me what I need to do. You know, they're getting all these speakers and, uh, and motivational, motivational speakers. I don't need a speaker to tell me what to do. I know well, what I mean, to do. I mean, look who you had. George Turner, you know, helped you with a great foundation. Then yes. you had Arnold Schwarzenegger after that. Like, yes. where do, who do you go to? You and then Robbie Robinson after that. Robbie yes. Robinson, like the three of the best people you could ever come across. Yes, and I was blessed to have yeah. those guys in my life. And then I ended up doing, I had training partners after that. And then after 10 years, or so, I'm going to do it myself. Every show that I did, I trained myself alone, know how to diet, you know, and, and just get it done. Just go twice a day and get it done. Tony, how do you eat now? What is your diet? Chicken and rice still. <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard it, it's, this is going to be all over the internet. Everybody's going to, you don't like birthday cake. I don't like birthday cake? Yeah. So I used to love carrot cake. You know, I was, I was teased the competitors because back in the day, oh, I had this fast metabolism, right? Crazy fast, which would make me a hard gainer. Yeah. But I would go backstage or in, the, in, the, in the, uh, the meeting for the competitors, and I'd have cake in my hand <laughs> eating cake. <laughs> they go, We're, we hate you. <laughs> I go, I'll see you tomorrow on stage. <laughs> I, I like sugar, and I like cookies, and I do like cake. So but I, I, have, I have cookies eventually, occasionally I do. Um, but I live on chicken and rice, yams. Um, I mean, really strict diet still. So your breakfast would be? I have the eggs. I hate to say I have chicken for breakfast and brown rice or oatmeal. Okay, so we're talking egg whites, whole eggs. Yeah, four eggs, two yolks. Okay. Yeah. And that's your protein. And that's that's the protein. That's the protein. And, and a, a small piece of chicken. Like I said, I eat very small amounts, very small. So I'm still having maybe four meals a day. Four meals. I'm not 100. Yeah, not 100%. When I'm doing a show, everything's on point. Yeah. When I'm not doing a show, it's like whenever I'm hungry. Yeah. I'm, I'm like a switch. If, you, if I'm doing a show, I'm so all in. But if I'm not doing a show, I don't want to talk about bodybuilding. I'm not a bodybuilder. I just have a normal life. Um, so it's very strange. I'm strange. No, I, I think everything that you do is um, very positive and, and quite smart. And um, I think people should take notice of what you're doing. Because at your age, you look fantastic. 
um, you know, when you were younger, you always seemed like you were really well-groomed and, you, you, you know, when you stepped on stage, it was just such a professional act. It was, sometimes I dreaded it because I'm going, look, look at the trouble that this guy's gone to, even in, in a couple's contests, that, that you, you know, on stage, the way you presented yourself, everything was, was like, you know, somebody to look up to. When I used to compete against you, I, I was always like, yeah, this guy, who he was, what he's done, like, <laughs> you know, I, I always had a, a great deal of respect for you, more so than some of the other people, um, and, and I've, I've always watched you simply because from that Mr. America contest and that condition, and I, I competed in 1976 at the age of 17, and, and you know, the workouts that I did, the, the, the diet, <laughs> and then I saw what you looked like, and I said, wow, this... You know, you remember what you did. Just imagine what this guy had to do to reach that conditioning and winning a national title and, and destroying people like Manny Perry and Ron Tufel, who who was the favourite. You know, so I, I said, this guy's got something about him. He's quiet. He just, he, you know, he doesn't boast. He's, he's like beating the very best people. You know, I've, I've watched you throughout your career. You're standing on stage next to Sergio. You've competed in every federation. <laughs> You've won. I know. So, so you won the AAU Mr. America. That was a big one, right? Yes. Then you, did you win the amateur Mr. Universe? Um, with no. You know, I don't know. If you read the book, I won Mr. America, and then I got suspended, a life suspension. Really? Yes. For what? It's all in the book. Well, what happened was... You know, normally when you win Mr. America, you think you'll get this contract with the weeders and cover the magazine, you know, nothing came in. The door was closed. So I'm starving again. I'm homeless again. I went homeless. Again. Yes. So um, this guy, after a couple, about a year and a half later, this guy in Rhode Island called me and says, hey, I want you to guest pose at a show. No, no, no. This one happened. I went to, to, to Belize in Central America to do a gas posing. And Where the promoter said, I didn't get that it's, name. It's a city called Belize, Belize in Central America. Right. It's okay. this Spanish uh, country. Right. They contacted me. It says, We want you to gas pose. You're the current Mr. America. We want you at the show. But it's not sanctioned by the IABB. Oh, okay. That's, another That's That's what he said. I said, I'm starving. I'll be there. <laughs> So I posed, and you got to read this part. I arrived in the city to the hotel, and there was a telegram waiting for me. I read the telegram, and it says, if you post tomorrow, you will be suspended for life. That's what it said. So I posed, and life suspension now. And for about a year and a half, I was sleeping in my friend's sofa in his mom's house and in the hood. And I was everywhere, just trying to struggle and you know, survive again. And yeah, so that's, that's how I have a life suspension. And then I got reinstated back into IPV. And my very first show was in Sydney, Australia. Which was? And Arnold, Mr. Universe, because Arnold was eating at a restaurant here in, in, in Venice, California. And he saw me, I couldn't come in. He goes, hey, you, you got reinstated. And why don't you go out, go to Australia and win a contest for a change? What, what year was that? 1981. 19, that's right. The Pro Mr. Universe. 
Yes. At Brighton Lee Sands inside. I, I was sitting there watching that. Really? And, yes, I was I was in the audience watching that. I saw <sighs> you and Dennis Tenorino. Yes. And, Rod, and Roger Walker. You were Roger Walker, yes. You second or third? Um, came third. You came third. Okay. Yes. Yes. Wow. You, you that know, was my was first there, show. And I in my IVB stage. First right. show. Right. Right. So Ever. I didn't know when when I saw you there, I didn't know all of this took place. Oh yeah, the drama was drama. Oh wow. Okay. But moments before I go on stage, someone came to me and said, You're never gonna win. Really? Straight out. A judge. I've had, that, I've had that done to me as well. So obviously we've experienced a lot of the same stuff. But did, did this guy even see what you look like or did he did he say it before you took your clothes off or he he just knew. He was delivering Can a I message. Ask who this person was? I don't want to Okay, his name, that's, but, that, that's fine. But it was a judge, for sure. A judge. So imagine you're all pumped up, ready to go, just before you go on stage, and you get that news. Great. Just what you wanted to hear. Yeah, so when I'm 20, what, how old was I then? 23, 24 23. years old. So from that moment, I looked at him and I go, I'm not a, in my own head. I'm not a competitor anymore. I'll make a living. So bodybuilding just became a way of doing seminars and exhibitions because I knew the word was out. I'm not going to win. So for the next 10 years, that's what I was dealing with, you know. But you, you won the Never Miss the Universe. Was it the professional or the amateur? Professional. You won so yeah. professional. So what happened was I suspended. Go back to Rhode Island. I guess pose in Rhode Island do an amateur show. Uh, not a TV show. And if you... Guest pose, and his kid ran backstage. He looks at me and goes, God, man, you're in incredible shape. I'll drive you to New York, Mr. Mr. World, this next week in New York. And I go, okay, let's go. And I won. So I went Mr. World, uh, w, uh, WBBG, uh, Dan Lowry's Dan Lowry's show. And if you win, you get a ticket to London to compete for Mr. Universe Amateur. So was this while you were serving your first suspension, or is this your second suspension now? No, there's only one suspension. This oh, is serving the first. Okay. Yeah, okay. only once. So I go to London, NABA, <laughs> and uh, I lose to, I came in second. Amateur, I came in second to Anlulu from Turkey. He had won. Uh, I met Anlulu, yeah. yeah. Yes, he had won quite a few shows. Yeah. I realized later he's been there many times before. And I was, I, was, I was a new kid on the block. Yeah, I heard about it, the, spirit, the spirited pose down that, that happened at that contest. I did hear about it. Yes, that. they said one of the best. Him and I were just going crazy. Just like me and Ron for the same thing, toe-to-toe, -to -toe, all out, 10 minutes, crowds going crazy. <laughs> yeah. But he wins. Yeah. Uh, so, I, of course, I thought I won, of course. We we're all going to think he won. And then um, the following year, I was somehow was in Germany, guest posing. Like I said, I'm always in contest shape. Mm -hmm. Guest posing. And Serge Nubray called me. And he goes, you're in Germany. Why don't you come back to London Universe next week? So I said, okay. <laughs> and I won the pro. So, yeah, I hit all the federations. I was in WABA because I won the WABA World. It was 1979. And um, so, yeah, all the federations. Okay. 
and there was the Vic, Vince McMahon uh, era. Yes. If you could tell us a little bit about that, because that, to me, I was just like in shock when it happened. <laughs> uh, the first thing I thought is, okay, well, he doesn't want me, but I, I wasn't well known, really. I wasn't in the mix with everybody, so I didn't know what that was all about. Um, right. Uh, I heard when people were with him, they made a lot of money. Um, yes. And, uh, yeah, if you could tell us a little bit about that, because it was an interesting time. It came and went real quick like that. It did. I was in, um, where was I? In Germany. And just kind of hanging out. You know, I was doing some seminars and work was not coming in. And the, my MDB career was pretty much gone. It was at the end, I think. So I'm in, I was in Germany and Tom Platz called me and he said, hey, man, um, Vince is coming up with a new federation, the WBF, the World Bodybuilding Federation. We want you because you, you know, you, your stage presence is good. You perform well. We're looking for guys that can post. So that's how I got the job. So I said, sure. And I flew to New York and signed the contract and it lasted for two years. What and yes, we all got paychecks. What were they paying everyone? Did everybody get the same money? I'm probably saying not. No, um, not the same money. No, no. So I, um, I fly to New York and I meet Vince. He's very serious. It's 1991. And we signed a contract of 13 of us, you know, Mike Christian and Big Eric Stratum and uh, who else? Troy Zucalata, David Durth. We all signed the contracts, and everybody got different money. You know, yeah, yeah. I think Gary got the most. <laughs> yeah. I think it was the scale going down. Okay. okay, but it was a paycheck, and I was making a bit of money at the time. You know, seminars and exhibitions are tough. Yeah. You know, you're traveling around the world and you're dieting the whole time. It's 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 it's, it's a hustle. Yeah. And I always said to myself for an exhibition, I do not want the competitors to look better than me. So I'm the guest. Yes. So I made sure I'm 100% every time. And so the, the, with, the, with the events, it lasted for a couple of years. We had our own TV show. We had our own magazine. I mean, it was, it was really exploding. And then all of a sudden, it was just the light went out. <laughs> I, managed, I was there for three years. And I did a, the, the last year, I did promotional tour for all the GNC health food stores for events. And that was it. Tony, the next subject, we don't need to discuss it, but I wanted to bring it up because I know you're a very responsible person. Well, at least you seem to be. Um, anabolics and, you know, what we used to use. Mm -hmm. um, if, if we get some sort of, if, if you're comfortable, you, you know, what would have been a typical steroid cycle because I, I think a lot of your competitions you, you may have actually been natural yes when I won Mr. Mary I was natural well see that's that's just incredible because that's <laughs> you know for somebody to actually been I, I, I knew it was possible I knew it was right. possible and you know the fact this was something else like you, you know when I heard that because I was one of these people I was going to be natural forever and you know it once, once you step on stage and, you know, you, you go to the next level, you, you want a level playing field, and I'm going, these guys are taking stuff. You know, like, what am I going to do now? It, 
you know, so eventually you, have no you, you, you do it. But I, I, I don't mind talking about what I did um, and what I took because it, it wasn't a lot. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Can we get some sort of background into what an honest cycle was for you, how, you, how long you did it for, what you took, um, you know, what happened afterwards? Uh, just if, if you could enlighten us on, on that. Yeah, you know, from the start, I was afraid of taking it. I, you know, you know, when you go to Gold's Gym in Santa Monica, you've got the best of the best champions there training every day. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know anything. There was no internet. So they're whispering in your ear. <laughs> yeah. You know, a little bit of this and this, a little testosterone, a Winstraw, Anavar. Yeah. Um, basically, it was testosterone and, and a bit of and a Winstraw. That was it. Yeah. Very small amounts. I mean, one cc like every 10 days and you go on for six to eight weeks and you come off and you do the cycle again. And that's it for the year. I mean, it wasn't like overkill and I was afraid of it. I go, what's going to happen when my career is over? I would say I was I'm an old soul. They're going to forget all about me and I'm going to have all these medical issues. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm just going to do the work. I'm going to train till I drop. Take a little bit, enhance a little bit. So I never relied on it. And I always said to myself, I'm going to handle the same weights that when I'm on or when I'm off. So you know what I mean? How you, you think you get weaker when you, once you cook coming off. No, I'm going to do the same weights. It's all mental. Yeah. Your mind's got to be strong. In bodybuilding, you got to have a strong heart and a strong mind. Strong mind. Because you have to against you up against a lot. So I took very little. And yes, I admit I did take steroids. But very small amount. I was I was afraid of it. What is it going to do to me later? Um, and very smart about it. You know, cycle it in, cycle off. You can't stay on all year long. All year long. Do you? Believe, this is the problem. Do you believe now at an older age um, in um, hormone replacement therapy, or do you just avoid that? I don't have any replacement drugs. <laughs> so, I said when I need, I said if I need it, I'll go to a doctor and see if I need it. But I don't think I need it. I'm, I'm still holding on to my muscle size. I'm still training. Uh, I think part of the psychological, you think you need it. Oh, I need this edge. I need this. I need that. No, just do the work. Everyone's looking for an excuse, an easy way to get there. There is no easy way. I destroyed my body completely. Completely destroyed my body. But I couldn't even walk in 2002 because I did the work. I trained myself, bum knee, back hurt every single day, but I still did the work. In pain, I'm on the heating pads, I'm taking this ibuprofen. So that's, that's, that's the key behind all of this. All this drugs, you're going to have a very short career. Yeah. Then you're going to have medical issues, problems after that. I wanted to ask you a particular question that I have here, but before I forget, this is very, going back to the Mr. America, after the Ron Tufel incident, you were in a pose down. Tom Platz had placed third in the contest. Now, was this a new judging panel? Yes. Or, yes. It was they a new judging panel. Immediately removed those judges and brought in a new set of judges, just like that. So I'm still in awe of what had just happened to me winning. And then I'm pushed out on stage against Tom Platt, Mr. Lights himself. Yeah. And he, he beats me in the post down, of course. 
with a new set of judges. Yeah. So, was it a complete contest or just a pose down? It was just a pose down. It was just a pose down to see who would go. Right. Who, so yeah. It was you, Tom Platts, and anybody else in the pose down? No, just Tom just and you I. you and him? Yeah. Now you got me thinking, that's bizarre. <laughs> because Ron Tufa didn't come back out. No, he didn't he was, come. He didn't come. No. So, so Manu Perry was not in the pose down. It was just you and Platts. Yes. Okay. And, and How did you feel after that? Um, because I've, I've thought about that for years. And I was once a judge, and I was faced with the same problem, right? And, and for me, when I was judging that contest, there was my training partner who was in the heavyweights, and then there was the guy in the middleweight who won the overall show, and then there was Lee Priest who was the lightweight in that particular contest, Mm -hmm. These guys were posing down, and honestly, everybody was bickering with me as to what I thought should have happened. And what really influenced me as to what I should have done that day was from what happened to you at the Mr. America contest with Tom Platts, because it had such a profound effect on me, you know, when I used to see all of that. And I'm going, well, today, what am I doing here? And, and I figured, why did they do that to Tony? Why did they send Platts and... Am I doing the same thing here today? Who, who am I picking? Am I, am I picking the, the person that looks best or the person that's going to represent Australia the best overseas? Which created yeah. a lot of confusion. And I even started talking to the other judges about it, which you weren't supposed to do. No. And, and I'm like, but Tony Pearson, Tom Plasson, you're not even supposed to talk. We, we, you know, pick, pick who you feel. And I said, well, the way you guys are judging, you're picking the wrong person. I felt because he was the winner of the contest, but I, I was right because when they went overseas, my training partner into the heavyweight division, he made the top five. The guy that won the contest didn't even make the top 15 in the Mr. Universe contest. So well, when they were judging these two guys, I said, well, hold on. If you're going to do this, let me bring another person in here. So I called out Lee Priest who had won, um, the lightweight division in that contest. And I said, well, if, if, if you want to confuse everybody, let's, let's take it even further. Let's put him in. Yes. Um, so as it turned out, um, the person I, that I picked didn't win. Uh, the winner of the contest won the pose down. So the other guys went to the universe and they paid their own way. So one person had a ticket paid, you know, so that greatly influenced me and confused, the, confused me quite a bit. What happened with you and Tom Platts affected me years later because I was trying to do the right thing. Um, right. And it was a big influence. It was a big influence. Yes. yes. And even now, you're, you're even confused about it now. It was only you and Tom Platts on stage. How did you right. feel afterwards? T tell me how you felt afterwards because if that was me, I would have I, – I don't know what I would have done. You know? I, you know, I was – I didn't know what to say, you know. From my background to that point, I was shy, introverted, didn't know how to express myself, yeah. and I just took it. I just took the beating. You know, he wins. I just won Mr. America. Now he's he's going to go down and win Mr. Universe, which he did, yeah. and that was it. So, but the new judging panel felt he would represent the sport better than I. That's what I'm looking back and saying. Okay, he's going to be 
you know, he got to cover the magazines, he could sell the product. So that's what that was, I think. I mean, you know, I was the underdog going to win the Mr. America. Yep, yep. He, I mean, Ron Tupin had all the publicity. Yep. It was pumped up really big for him. So then I win. So that's kind of spoiled the plan. You know, I, to me, I think it was kind of ready for him to win. I, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think he won the USA. He was going to win Mr. America and go straight and win the universe. Yeah. I think that was, that was his path to win the universe too, right after, but he didn't make it. So the next guy, Tom Platts, who came second to him yeah. in yeah. class. So it fits. Okay. Now back to today, Tony, do you, <clears throat> you know what's actually going on in today's bodybuilding. I'm not sure. I hear some horrific stories, uh, steroids and, and drugs and just some of the amounts of, of things that have been handled. Um, do you know about this problem, Tony? Are you aware of what's going on? I hear bits and pieces apart about it because a lot of the pros live here in town. Vegas is a new mecca of bodybuilding now. All, a lot of pros live here. And I get to hear stuff. You know, they're on taking so much and it's all year long and they're never coming off and they will do anything it takes to win, anything to win, whatever it takes, we will do. And, you know, it's, it's risky. You're risking your life but this is for that title, for that title. Yeah. You know, is, is it really worth it? You know, I mean, but everyone's on, so you can't say I'm drug free. So it's not like the old days. You get away, you know, with, with this McMahon. He was drug testing at the end. I was clean every show at all those shows. I didn't have a problem with it. But this is the problem with the guys today. They, like I said, they're taking too much for too long. And you're going to burn out. Your, your body just can't is, take it. And, and the size issue, that's another problem too. Your heart can't take it. Well, but this is what I was discussing before. You said this, it's too late. We should have done it 10 years ago. But with everything you've mentioned now and what the body can and can't take. This is why I'm, I'm thinking this has to change. Maybe yes. we can't see what's going to happen, but looking at all the facts of what you've just described, because now all the pros are in town. You, you hear and see things. You've got evidence of things that other people don't, and you've just said it all there. The body can't take it. These people are going to die. So there's the reason for change and if we don't cause a change at any time at all well they're probably all going to die off that's what happened that's what's going to happen i really think so because you know so every year the guys the guys are getting bigger and bigger i've just watched the magazine listen uh, online and the, the quote is he's bigger this time it's not about big it's not about big it's about art i mean you have 10 guys standing, all massive, 200 pounds, you know, they weigh like 300 pounds each almost. Yep. When it flex, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. You're supposed to project something as an artist when you flex. Me standing on stage in a relaxed pose, I don't look that impressive. Only when I flex, things pop out. I used to hear it all the time. Oh my God, where does it come from? Every no, time no, you, you flex. You look good standing relaxed. You have a very good structure, but when you flex, it, it was changes. Like, it, was, it was like Arnold, you know, you, he could look soft standing relaxed. Right. When he flexed, and that's, that's, that's what 
you, you look very good standing relaxed, but when you flex, stuff happens. Right. And, and, you know, and that's what Ken Sprague said on Good Morning America, that when he flex, things happen. But that's what bodybuilding is. You're creating something, you're creating an illusion that you're bigger, sharper than anybody else. It's an illusion with the proper lighting, great conditioning, uh, great symmetry, proportion, and presentation. You're an artist. You just created something. And that's what body, that's the true essence of bodybuilding. It's not the biggest guy on stage. They're going to hate me, but it's well, true. It's, it's true. I, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, look at Kai Green. Kai Green always had a routine. Yep. I was excited for him, for him to come on stage yep. because he's going to present something that's exciting. And the crowd was, you know, 100% behind him. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, these guys, you, you know, you can't tell them anything. I mean, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They, they're the experts. Yep. But I'm outside looking in. I go, doesn't look good. No, it doesn't <laughs> you can only take, your heart can only take so much. So, Tony, um, I haven't spent much time in Vegas. You know, I lived in New York. I know Los Angeles. Uh, what's it like living in Vegas? Um, generally, when I've been there, it's like sticking my head inside an oven and there's no people on the street. Everything's air-conditioned. And oh, yeah. You, you don't see anybody on the streets. Is it, is, is it still like that? It's still like that because summers are, you know, 110, 115, 120 yeah. Yeah. degrees. It's really hot and it's dry We're in the desert. Yep. And even now we have humidity, which we've never had before, but there's more humidity in the air here as well. So, but you know, only maybe four or five months out of the year that it's hot like that, Vegas gets very cold. It does. And does it? Okay. Yes. From October to March, basically, it's cold here. Yep. Because of the desert and uh, the wind, there's a lot of wind blowing. So it's, it's a, you think of Vegas, you just think hot. No, not so. <laughs> um, you know, I live on the opposite side of town, so I don't go down to, to the casinos at all. Yeah. I have no reason to go down there. I don't gamble, I don't party, I don't drug, I don't do drugs, none of that stuff. So I just stay on the opposite side of town, go to my normal gym, I have my clients. I got a tiny little circle that I go in, that's it. Sure. I go, there's a lot of shows here in town, so I might go watch your... Uh, pro show in town. Okay. IABB has a lot of shows here. Um, you, your last contest weighed at the AAU Mr. Universe. What what did you weigh there and what do you weigh now? About the same. I, I kind of transform. <laughs> I think I weighed about 190 and I'm maybe a 185 now. Okay. Um, I was not as big, but I was really cut. I made sure conditioning is going to be there and presentation is going to be there. Uh, I don't have the same size and fullness as I had back in the day. It's almost impossible at this age, but I wanted to project every time I flex cuts coming from different directions, you know, muscle separation. So I, I I kind of stole a lot from Frank Zane, how he sculpted his own body. He created a lot of different exercises to do from different angles. And that's what I try to do as well. So you hit a lat spread to check the cuts coming from all the, all the place, yeah. the back poses, or the peak in the, in the arms, you know. So it is, it's how you train. You can, you are a piece of clay and you can sculpt it. But that takes time to learn. You, you got to learn your own body. 
So all this stuff online about training, everybody's different. All my clients that I train have different needs, different wants, you know, metabolism, everything is different. So each individual have to make, you know, make it work for them, give them the right exercise, tell them what to eat, all these things. So it's, yeah, it's, Tony, it's a lot of work. What, what next for you? No more stage appearances. That's it. So no, so, guest, no guest posing, no seminars? No. You know, they filmed my win. It's in the documentary where I win the show and, and I wave to the crowd and that's retirement. So, and they said to me, you can't come out of retirement again. <laughs> it's in the movie. So, so no, let I me mean, just personally, I said, it's enough. Cause my body was, went through a lot of changes after that show. So to recover from that show, it was not easy. no steroids because it was drug tested. So, but, um, it, it took a toll on me. Okay. I mean, for me to say, I'm not going to do the show. I must've been suffering. So, um, Tony was such a delight talking to you, honestly, over the years we've spoken. I remember even once you helped me in a photo shoot that I was doing with Chris Lund. And ah. Yeah, it was at Marina Pacific. And uh -huh. I, mm -hmm. I couldn't get the weights up and you helped, you helped, you and somebody else helped pick up a couple of heavy dumbbells so Chris could shoot it. And you gave me one of the best compliments I've ever received. You said to me, Geez, when you get hard, you get as hard as nails. Unfortunately, I didn't look like that on stage, but that day at the photo shoot, you really made my day when you said that. Um, I just thought I'd mention that. And is there anybody that you'd like to thank, your family, uh, Jim, anything you want to mention um, just before we close off? Yeah, you know, I just want to thank... George, for one, because without that man, I would never be. And then Arnold. You know, what Arnold said to me that day was the key for me to become a real bodybuilder. I went out there to become a bodybuilder, but you know how when you're 19 years old, you don't know what the hell you're doing. You're just kind of working out and hanging out with your buddies. But when he came over and said that, that was the trigger. That was the point. I said, this is it. This is what I'm going to do 100%. You know, I'm... I want to be a world champion. What do I need to do? So I want to thank Arnold for, you know, discovering me. I mean, really getting inside my head. You need one person that's going to motivate you. And I had the best person on the, on the planet at the time. <laughs> right. So when he, so all the negative press that I got behind that, I always remember what he said. I didn't, I didn't read the articles anymore. So just keep moving forward. Never quit. Uh, of course, my family. And my friends, I had a lot of, like, Kent Keene was a great guy. He always in my corner. He always supported me. And I'm starving. He'll feed me. You know, this is so many people. You never make it to the top without people helping you. There's no one gets to the top alone. So there was a lot of people. I was homeless. People invite me to their home to live in their home. So all these people, wonderful, great people. And, you know, I've just been blessed. I've been blessed that I was there to survive that 20, imagine 20 years on 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 the game within exhibitions and seminars and competing i was on stage almost every other week for all that time so that's a blessing you know it's because mentally it's, it's a mental game yep. gotta be mentally strong enough to survive all of that so it, it's been a, it's been a long ride in the last show that i did you know i just 
I want to finish it at home. So that was it. There's a lot of people to thank. And I want to thank the readers because I wrote in my book, without them, I would have no career. They said, oh, you criticizing the readers. Yeah, I'm only telling what happened to me. But without the readers, there is no career. I mean, NABA, I hit the NABA, I did WAB, I did all the other federations, but you come back home. Seminars, exhibition, and that's where you get your publicity because there's no internet, so you get it through the magazine. So I'm grateful for the readers to allow me to have a career. I wasn't winning, but I was working. Well, Tony, thank you very much. Um, I'm hoping that if, you know, we may do another one of these at some stage in, in the future. But it was such a delight talking to you today, and I'm sure the group, ClassicBodybuilding.com, will love hearing from you. And um, I'm sure it's going to be very enjoyable and entertaining to hear anything from you. You're a legend. You've been an inspiration to many, including me, um, especially what you did at the Mr. America. Uh, and um, thank you very much for coming on and, and sparing the time to do this. It's very much appreciated, and um, you have the book. Yes. And uh, all the best for the future, Tony. I appreciate it. I appreciate being on your show. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. This is awesome.